If there is one thing that 2020 made abundantly clear, it's that the way in which workers operate will never be the same. As employees rush to set up monitors and home offices in their new environments, businesses across the world were recognizing an inevitable reality, that this new lifestyle was here to stay. As this progresses, the next normal is going to be about mobility and flexibility. We've got a taste of this working from home thing that never had it before, and they're going to want to do both, which is going to bring on new challenges. Welcome to the next normal, where new remote working demands are establishing a host of lifestyle changes for employees and concurrently creating a larger list of challenges for their employers. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Kim Huffman, the VP of Global IT at Elastic, who you just heard from, opens up about distributed workforces and why Elastic believes strongly in them. But she is honest about the obstacles that work from anywhere creates when it comes to managing the endpoints of your fleet. And she discusses how IT leaders can handle the transition. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. Today, we have the VP of Global IT at Elastic, Kim Huffman. Kim, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Albert. I'm really excited to chat with you today. All right. So, I want to get started with actually a personal anecdote because I got to ask you because I, I feel like you must be a superstar. A while ago, I tried to work at Elastic and I feel like I got rejected within two seconds. And then another one of my friends. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> he's like, he, it's okay. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Like the, the system came back and said, not good enough. Um, and then one of my best friends, he was like, as far as I'm concerned, he's like a Salesforce genius. And they asked for like a Salesforce admin. He applied. He got rejected in like two minutes. So you must be a superstar. You must be. (laughs) (laughs) But before we go diving in, we want to hear more about you. Okay. But before we do this, we always ask our guests to tell us, for anyone who doesn't know, which I don't think many who listen to the show don't know, but what is Elastic? Mm, That's a tough question, but I'll do my best. So, you know, Elastic is a solution that um, actually has our, is our software that is, is really founded on the concept of, of search. Uh, and that's really sort of where our roots began. And we began as an open source company. And uh, our founder, it's interesting, was, his wife was a cook and he was trying to develop an application that would allow her to find recipes faster. And he was a developer, an engineer, and uh, he developed the product I don't. I still don't think he's actually developed the app for her, but he developed this product, <laughs> and that that was the seed that is now Elastic. And you know, the company over the years, because search is not just Google search; it's searching everything, and really, most critical is searching data. And so, as a result of that, we have the Elastic technology that powers everything from Uber. Uh, you know, trying to find a, a driver and a, a rider and pairing those two together to Airbnb, trying to find someone traveling in a host to uh, large financial institutions that are 
processing large volumes of data and looking for and searching for anomalies in that data, as far as logging is concerned, to uh, you know, our federal business where we've got uh, cyber detection because we've got endpoint sensors that are, again, pulling in that data and trying to find where we've got anomalies and where we might be able to identify uh, cybersecurity risks. So um, it started out as an idea and it's really evolved into a, a platform that companies use for a number of different use cases. And over time, as those use cases have developed, we have uh, borne out of those use cases certain solutions. And those solutions that we really focus on, which are purpose-built solutions for our customers, are observability, enterprise search, and security. And so our journey started as open source and we've evolved as a, you know, with commercially, uh, with commercial products. And now we've moved to the cloud. So as our customers have evolved, so has our offering uh, evolved with our customers. And so it's a difficult question to answer simply because there is so much that we do um, and really search and data is at the core of everything we do. And it's, it's really relevant in a number of different use cases. I don't know if that, I don't know if that helped or confused you, but. <laughs> it, it, it helps. Okay. From my, my perspective, I always think of is it allows you to bring Google to your applications is what I tell other people is like the easiest way to say it's like Google's obviously invented search for what they want to use in their products. But if you wanted to use it for your products and services, you don't have access to it. So you could either A, make Google or B, let Elastic use their search power and implement Elasticsearch. And yeah, the, here, here's a, here's a great hopefully this helps frame some someone's mindset who maybe has not as familiar with elastic. Yep. So like fundamentally perhaps in the old days you would structure your data in a database let's say you're using SQL and you run queries against it to bring back records mm -hmm. and that records would be part of your filters of information. Correct. Um the way I described it is like it's always I can't quite describe it, but I do with SQL, it's like it's looking up things across tables using mm -hmm. and it's going to try to keystone on data points and try to bring back all the associated data. It takes kind of a while is the way I describe it is like, it takes forever, really. Yep. Uh, and, and the reason why I say that is because I built an application from 2011 through 2016 and it was all SQL query based mm -hmm. and it was based on social media and social records. So like for someone to even ask a question like, so let's say our customer was Oreo and someone said, hey, what flavor do people talk about the most with Oreo? I'd be like, oh, man, you, it's going to take me like a day to figure this out. <laughs> exactly. Talk about how Elastic has fundamentally changed data search so that for someone who's not as familiar with Elastic can understand like the technology behind it that makes it that much faster. Yeah. Well, really, it's you know kind of the proprietary um, technical solution that we have. It's our architecture, right? And so our product itself is... Um, one of our key differentiators is speed, right? Is our ability to call through large volumes of data very quickly. And so, you know, companies use us, as I said before, you know, Instacart is a customer, yeah. right? And so they use us when you're, people are going on and they're trying to buy their groceries in the pandemic, right? You know, we saw a spike in usage and their site was getting hit and they need to have that fast response for their customers. That's our enterprise search kind of solution. Uh, security, right? You know, it's, it's calling through large volumes of data and it's searching for anomalies. Mm -hmm. So when you think about, you know, searching for something, it's not just searching for a product on a website. It's searching for an anomaly within, within logs from endpoints. 
it's um, in searching for, for in looking at logging and metrics and searching all of that data very quickly. Um, and that's really one of the cornerstones of our products is our speed with which we can do those searches. So the other thing that's interesting about Elastic, you've got, they've built this, um, you know, obviously this super successful, powerful search tool that's used in mm-hmm. all these applications. Yep. But Elastic's one of the first, full, it's, is it fully remote or is it just hybrid remote where it's got satellite offices? I believe it's fully remote, but just just help me confirm that. It's part of our source code, which is our company's um, sort of mission or you know mission statements or vision. We call it our source code com- coming from an engineering background. So um, one of our, you know, is that we are distributed by design, meaning we intentionally are distributed. We do have some offices, very few, but for the most part, all of our employees are distributed. We don't call them remote. We call them distributed. Gotcha. I will use the same term. And we are in about 40 different countries. And what that does, I mean, from my perspective as a CIO um, or VP of IT, is that I can find talent anywhere. So, and diverse talent, right? So diversity of thought, diversity of gender, diversity of, you know, geographic uh, region uh, has really um, afforded us the capability to have a very robust offering from a product perspective, from an IT perspective. And so we have been that way since we started. Uh, And so we continue to be that way, obviously. And it's great. Yeah. So I'm assuming when, when the pandemic started and countries are starting to shut down, lockdown, obviously some countries had more stricter travel requirements or movement requirements than others. Yeah. Was that a major change? I'm assuming it wasn't that big of a deal outside of like personal, maybe personal reasons why it was a big deal, like employees were concerned. Yeah. But as far as like an infrastructure on strain on your system, was it, was that, was there a strain or what, where did you guys just chug along? Um, Well, actually, fortunately, since we were already sort of distributed by design, we already were set up to handle something like the pandemic. And, you know, we were able to quickly pivot, obviously travel stopped. So even though we're distributed, there is an element to, you know, teams getting together on a quarterly basis because that face-to-face is important. And we realize that. So we like to have, you know, quarterly meetings, offsites. Uh, we have our, a global offsite of all of our employees every May. We bring people in from 40 different countries. As you can imagine, that was not possible in May. So we did yep. a virtual global all hands, which was interesting. So in that respect, we had to change some of our, you know, some of our plans. We doubled down on a couple things as it relates to IT, um, you know, we invested in some tools to help people um, during the pandemic. Uh, we doubled down on some, you know, our collaboration tools and looking at, you know, Zoom had a couple issues early on in the pandemic. And so we had to look for some alternatives. We're a big, big Zoom uh, user, as you can imagine, since mm-hmm. the majority of our population is on Zoom meetings all the time. So, yeah. you know, by and large, it wasn't the shift that I saw, you know, through my network of other, you know, people that are running heads of IT and they're like, you know, having to deploy, they've got a bunch of on-prem data centers, everyone's connected via their office and they're having to deploy laptops and they're having to deploy collaboration tools like Slack and Zoom. We fortunately didn't have to do that because we were already pretty much set up in that in that way. So one of the things that we heard from some of our other guests was, you know, that software made collaboration easy. So it was easy to sign up for software systems and deploy it to users. They said like, what are the things that scared or one of the things that were a big challenge for 
IT leaders was device tracking, mm-hmm. uh, meaning for the first time they had it like, how do we issue devices? How do we make sure everyone can connect a VPN? Like you kind of talked about if I'm data center, if I'm a data center business, yeah. if my workloads aren't in cloud, how do yeah. I ensure everyone gets access to the resources? I'm sure you have plenty of security systems set up on your side. What yeah. would you say to someone who's like, I'm having struggling these things? How would you, how does, how does Elastic set it up so that it can support this distributed workforce, private data, all these good things? Yep. I'm assuming you don't rely as much on VPNs, but maybe I don't know. I'd like to hear what, how you do it. Well, I mean, I think there's two things. There's, there's management of devices and then there's connectivity, right? And so uh, fleet management you know, we, we utilize, uh, you know, all of our Macs. I mean, when a com- when a, an individual employee joins Elastic, we do a hundred percent remote onboarding, right? They immediately get, uh, the ability to order a, a machine, uh, whether it's Apple or most of most are Apple, but right. windows or Apple, we run, we, you know, we support both. We've got finance and legal people that like their Excel and we have <laughs> no engineers that like their Apple. So we, I, I've, list, uh, I've used Excel and Mac. There's no doubt Microsoft shortchanges it. <laughs> we, like, we like the flexibility. We offer a lot of flexibility to our, uh, to our employee base and we onboard them remote. So we drop ship the equipment from there. We've managed the fleet. We've already built in the capability to know what's happening at that endpoint, regardless of where they are in the world. And then we actually pump that information back uh, and we do fleet management using Jamf. uh, And then we have a different tool for Windows. We also are able to, um, we've got uh, endpoints installed in all of our fleet, meaning we have sensors that are, you know, a bit more advanced than your typical malware, where they actually are pulling the information back to a server centrally our information security team is reviewing the logs from every machine in our fleet so that they can see what's happening. So that's what I would call more fleet management. And then there's VPN, right? So you, you've got people in at homes and people can be on a VPN, to be honest with you, that's totally secure and still be up for the cyber, the increased cybersecurity risks that we're facing right now, right? Because mm-hmm. there's tons of phishing attacks and PPE, you know, emails that go out and someone clicks on the wrong thing. And so their uh, machines exposed, right? And identifying that that is that machine's exposed and it, it could potentially bring something back in is just as important for them than they're on a VPN, right? So, you know, I, I view it as two different things is making sure there's a VPN in place that's secure, um, which we have, and there's a lot out there, but it's also how are you managing your fleet? How are you understanding what's happening at your endpoints? And how are you making sure we, you can push things to your endpoints to make them as secure as possible? So I'm imagining part of your day looking like a, a Vegas hotel security <laughs> <laughs> camera board, the way you're describing right now. No. And I always, whenever I see that in the movies, I think to myself, are they stressed or not stressed? Because I'd be like, it's information overload. I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, you know, I've been in technology for a long time and I'm, you know, I've managed data centers and Knox 24-7 and you know, that, I mean, with the multiple screens and, you know, it's not quite that, that, uh, (laughs) that exciting, uh, as, as, as it used to be, but, um, there's not as many screens, but because a lot of it is the, the AI and the machine learning that the tool does for you now. Yeah. Right. I mean, we use our own product obviously, which is great, but that's what I was about to say. you. You know, and so it does a lot of the work for you. You know, we, we've built in a lot of capabilities that we're helping these individuals. I mean, sometimes these companies don't have teams of cybersecurity people 
sit, you know, in-house and they've they've got to rely on, you know, one guy to do this all of a sudden. And so the tools that they use are, you know, how much can we help the tool enable the company or the customer detect and find and raise these issues? And so there's a lot of AI and ML built into it. So that's what I wanted to get into next is, oh. you know, you have the, you mentioned all the the products that Elastic has or services mm-hmm. that you offer, one of them, part of it's security. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering how both search and security seems more obvious to me because you can run those same queries and stuff on all of your networks and devices, yep. and it can tell you what anomalies are occurring. But, and I know it's powered by the search product or yep. that's part of it. Yep. Do you actively, does the team actively develop applications using Elastic technology to further support internal processes, needs, requirements? Absolutely. I'm curious how you guys develop your own systems like that. Yeah. So we have, we have something called Elastic on Elastic. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. We're customer one, um, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, And so we have a number of areas within the IT function our uh, enterprise data um, area um, our, and also our collaboration tools as well as security that we use and, and logging and observability. So we do use our own products in all of our internal areas. For instance, Workplace Search is another fabulous tool. And it actually, um, we were customer one and it, you know, we, we rolled it out. We rolled it out in beta, which you know, I wouldn't suggest that to anyone, but we've got a fabulous product <laughs> team that we provide feedback to very iteratively. And, and it allows you, I mean, a lot of companies have uh, company intranet, uh, G Suite, Slack, GitHub, et cetera, a lot of content sources. And this is a tool that takes all of those contact sources via pre-built connectors, pulls them together and enables uh, a company to roll out basically a corporate search across all these applications that are used internally at the company already. Uh, We call the product workplace search, um, which makes sense. And so we rolled that out internally uh, here about four months ago with some core, you know, source systems and we'll continue to add and rev and add more connectors to build in more capabilities. On the analytics side, we use obviously Logstash and Elastic and Kibana, which is our visualization tool for all of our operational reporting internally. So we have rolled that out to about 1,800 people internally, um, and they use Kibana for all of, our, uh, all of their reporting. We have terabytes, petabytes of data in there, <laughs> um, and it searches lightning fast. Um, so, you know, we, we certainly believe and are dedicated to using our own products. And we feel like one, uh, it's just good corporate citizenship. And two, I think they're great. So why wouldn't we? Yeah. As a team, did you discover anything or did you find any, let's say, anomalies or problems to solve? I'm assuming oh, the answer is yes, but I'd yeah, love, any that you could yeah. share would be, we'd love to hear. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as you know, sometimes I, I liken it to, you know, drinking our own champagne and sometimes it feels like it's eating our dog food. Like I like the champagne. I like the champ- I've not heard the champagne one. Most people <laughs> like, call it the dog food because I've definitely been there where you use it. <laughs> I know, but I mean, our products are so great. Sometimes it feels like drinking our own champagne, but Sometimes it's like, you know, and I'm very honest with the team. I'm like, we're having a dog food moment, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and so, um, you know we, we use our own tool, like 
you know, Kibana and, you know, we released a new version of Kibana and it has document management in it, document security management. And there was a bug and it broke. Right. And so we're like, Hey guys, like, and we always try and upgrade first. So we upgrade in when it's beta, you know, and we let everyone at the company know we're using our own products. We're going to be in beta. The whole idea though, is for us to help test. It broke document security search. We found it. We revved it. We gave that to the product team. It was fixed in the next release. Our customers didn't have to experience it. So that's an example of something we, we, we do. Um, in the workplace search example, one of the connectors didn't work. It kept breaking, right? And so we gave that feedback to the product team. Obviously, it's important for them to have all the connectors working, um, we have some pretty complex use cases. Um, and so we're, we're pretty good at sort of testing it thoroughly. And uh, we gave that feedback back to the product team and it was built into the GA. So those were dog food moments, <laughs> but <laughs> by and large, <laughs> we do feel like we're drinking our own champagne. So it's great. I mean, it's, you know, our, our product is so diverse that we can use it in a lot of different applications, right? We also have part of our source code is space-time, which is um, an opportunity for an engineer or anyone for that matter to actually take a week off during the year and do a project they've been thinking about doing. And it can be a project for work. It might be a project for a volunteer charity organization, whatever. But the idea is to just, you know, if something you've been thinking about, you know, take some time and, and be creative. And um, I had a, a, our IT risk and compliance lead built an application about SOX controls using an elastic cluster and a Kibana dashboard. Now, that's a use case I wouldn't have probably thought was possible, <laughs> but the auditors were completely impressed by what he created in that week period. So it's really just kind of lots of opportunities to do different things with our products. So, so you know, that's always exciting, I think, for developers or builders in general, mm -hmm. when they first hear that they can build and work on different projects and products. How many of the things, let's say your team discovers, do they become actual features? Not because, like, you know, killing bugs is one thing. Of course, yeah. killing bugs is another but like where you're actually pushing the pushing the technology forward, where you're, you're suggesting features, product roadmap changes, where the internal team and Elastic, because they found a problem or a limitation, yep. now that becomes a feature that the product team that's going to make for general availability. Um, very standard. So very before standard. we yeah before we rolled out workplace search um, internally, we did a pilot of like 250 users, and I would say. 50% of the enhancements that were identified in that pilot were actually built into the product. So this is a very integrated company because there, there's- Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of companies out there, for example. Oh, I, I'll tell you what I, where I came from and I bring it up on other shows is yeah. I was in social media management software, but the reality was none of us at our company were managing social media to the scale that our customers were, right? Coca-Cola was yeah. our customer. They they have a single page where it's like every country, but three are on it. And so yeah. like geotagging, geo, like all these things that they did, yep. we were building for them, but we didn't actually need to use, but because your product is in other products or in it compliance products or I enabling mm -hmm. organizations like yours, but in another company, 
it seems like that's that's awesome that you guys actually can push the agenda forward of actual product set and feature set. Yeah. And workplace search, they were working on a connector with one of our uh, the applications that we use. And they were I said, what's the scope of your connector? And they said, we're going to scope it. You know, it's going to be X. I said, you need to have it be X plus Y. And they said, why why is X plus Y? I said, because no company would ever implement X only. You have to have X plus Y. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you're developers. I'm a user. (laughs) Like, let me explain this to you, (laughs) right? This is how this application is used. And they were like, wow, we never... I mean, we talk to our customers, but, you know, it's just, I think a a real practitioner's viewpoint is important. Well, you're... You're in a unique place, right? Because you already said, for example, that you went fully distributed from the very beginning. Mm. So the strains of your organization or whatever strains your organization is exactly what, you know, your customers today are starting to feel as they start to proliferate their workforce across different places. Exactly. So how did you get started in tech? Because um, (laughs) you're currently at like, you know, you're obviously at one of the hottest companies around. Talk to me about how'd you get into this? How did you get into this field? Well, it was, it, yeah, it was not a, um, it, it wasn't actually a conventional path, I would say. Um, it never is, right? Yeah, no. And, you know, really it started, I was a consultant for many years and a road warrior. And I actually started uh, doing business process reengineering consulting. So that was, I mean, for those that were aware, I'm now aging myself considerably. It was kind of when that was the hot thing going on. And, um, you know, as we embarked on these large, expensive, high value, high dollar projects, I sort of walked away scratching my head saying, they're never going to be able to do a lot of this stuff. Like they need technology to do all of this, like to really rev this company and transform it. They need a technology solution. And so, you know, progressing onward, I moved into... Um, what we call business systems consulting, where it was kind of marrying business process reengineering and the system side of the house. And that's when I first had my taste of, of tech and really what it could do to enable a business. So I came in from, from what I would call the business technology enablement viewpoint versus the development viewpoint. And then, you know, was certified in a large ERP vendor and implemented large ERPs as a consultant and traveled around the world. And when I was in my 20s, it was all extremely glamorous. And I got tired of traveling when I got older. And, um, and so I actually, you know, being in the Bay Area, I uh, ran a tech uh, for a startup, which is actually miraculously still around because it was pre.com boom. And then I went and worked for Adobe and, you know, got my taste of bigger tech. And, um, and I think, you know, one of the things I've always been sort of fascinated with is this, con- uh, this conversation of, and really kind of over the last 15, you know, 15 years or so, there's this been this focus on, you know, the, the shift in technology enabling the business. And, you know, I've, I've seen the days of, you know, we get a requirements document and we kick it over the fence to the developers. And four months later, you see something. Mm-hmm. And what's been so exciting is over the last 15 years is that that gap has really, it's, it's moved into an agile, agile mode, right? Like we're able to rev and design on the fly with some of the tools we have now that are cloud-based. And it, so it's brought that intersection closer together. And it's really exciting to kind of be a part of. I think as we progress into the next 10 years, we're going to obviously see more of that. But I also think that, you know, one of the areas that historically has been 
a little bit more on the old school side is this, this concept of, you know, kind of the, we went through this democratization of IT with the cloud mm-hmm. wave. And um, I think we're going to see a democratization of kind of data, meaning I think the expectation from the business where data is readily available to do things with and how do we get it in that state, it will change fundamentally be that next wave of changing, you know, kind of bringing the business and the IT areas closer together. So I think it's going to be an exciting time. No, I agree with you completely. I think more just like, you know, when we think about these marketplace technologies that mm-hmm. have, you know, whether it's Salesforce, whether it's Box, mm-hmm. Slack, right? They all opened up these the API systems where they said, hey, listen, I need access to information, my customer's information. I need developers to develop solutions based on this information. Mm-hmm. And then this is going to, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more eyes are on it, more hands are on it, more people are on it, the more likely you'll find a solution to whatever problem it is you have. Yep. So that's part of the acceleration, but it actually introduces a new challenge, which you now get to face, which is so many companies say they have a solution. They're going to claim that they can help you. Kim, I got, have you ever wanted to improve your operating efficiencies by 26% cold email? (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so, and and some of them are probably, (laughs) I I get those. I don't know. I, I, you know, I love some of the emails I get though. I really do. (laughs) <laughs> Do you need help with your search capability in application? It's like, no. <laughs> but the point is, is you're constantly being inundated or there's new yep. new vendors to market all the time. There's always one. And then you yourself, you have to have the idea that, hey, I want to improve the business. Mm-hmm. I don't have all the answers. I want to hear these solutions, but at the same time, I don't have time to listen to all these pitches because yeah. it's insanity. Um, <laughs> so how do you evaluate new third-party tools to implement at your organization? Do you rely on your team members to bring solutions to you? Do you hear cold pitches? Like, I'm curious about this because I have a gut feeling, or I'm just, just my, but like a lot of the CIOs or CTOs I meet, they, they are, you know, they have a healthy level of skepticism because they've heard so many promises. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious on what's your viewpoint on new technologies that claim to, or promise to transform your world? Yeah. You know, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, and we kind of as, you know, uh, CIOs, leads of IT organizations face this, right? I mean, it's a difficult problem to solve and we continue to try and figure out a way to solve it um, where you don't want to, you don't want to staunch the capabilities of the business to kind of get their job done. But you also realize that, especially in today's world, like, security, privacy, data, like what are we putting into some of these tools that are sitting out in the cloud is pretty risky. So you've got to have some kind of controls around it. You know, I think it's about partnership, right? I think it's about understanding, um, you know, from a, from a technology and a business perspective, what, what the line of business leader or the functional lead or the CMO or whoever it is you're partnering with is trying to do with, with their business, right? And I think And then I think it's about developing a prioritization process across the organization, because of course, everyone in their functional silo thinks that their project is the number one priority to get done next fiscal year, you know, so that's right. But then actually, you know, bringing that up a level and understanding at the executive level, what are our kind of organizational priorities and you know, talking about those and, and, and building a framework where those discussions can happen. And everyone feels like they can actually have input into those discussions. And then there's a, there's a healthy discourse, I would call it, that is 
it's collaborative discourse where people are talking about what's the best for the, the organization. And fortunately at Elastic, I think people tend to put their Elastic hat on before they put their line of business hat on, which is refreshing because a lot of companies aren't like that. And so there's always discussions though, like, hey, we're going to have to move this out. We're going to have to shift this, et cetera. So that's at kind of the global priority level. And then I think as the organization has grown, you know, we, when I got, when I joined, we we're about 800, we're at a little over 2000 now, as the organization has grown, we've had to put in some processes where we, I don't want to ever say we're not going to explore something because I don't, I, I think it's important to see what's out there. I mean, there, there's so much innovation happening that it's important to kind of stay close to it and don't get stuck in your own old ways, but it's how do we rev on it and evaluate it in a very rapid pace, right? So if it's uh, engage, discover, potentially POC to see if we see if it's going to add what the value we think it's going to do, that we're going to get the value from the the tool that supposedly the business person or the salesperson is saying. <laughs> I'm also very like supportive of, you know, the fastest way or I'm not, I don't, I don't want to say this, but like if someone on my team is coming to me and they've vetted it and they've spent the time to take a look at it and they really feel like there's value in it and they've got a business partner that feels the same way, I'm always open to that. I think I, I think I would never say, oh, we're sticking with what we have and we're never going to innovate because I think it, it challenges us to be better, right? And um, especially smaller companies, you know, we started as a small company. So there's a lot of innovation going on in the Valley and in the world that, surprisingly, I find like, I like to listen to, you know, some of this stuff that's, that's more innovative. Do you have a small network of people that are like your peer level or work companies like yours or greater or in size, like greater in size that you have like lean on quite heavily for advice on what to invest your time and energy in? Because- Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't invest in everything, obviously. It's, it's bananas. <laughs> exactly. So I have, I mean, I have a, a peer network uh, here in the Valley of other, you know, women CIOs, of course. We've, it's important <laughs> that we, we hang together. And then I have other, you know, networks um, that are more formal. Um, and then I've got other colleagues that, you know, I can call and say, Hey, I know that you guys are implementing this. Are you implementing this? What do you, what do you think? So, so curious in that network, what is the, uh, what is, what is like a topic of conversation that is coming up quite often right now? Uh, how's it going to be? How are we going to go back? What's the, what's it going to look like? What are we going to need to do differently when people go back to the offices? Are we going to go back to the offices? If we do go back, what's it going to look like? I feel like they're leaning on you quite a bit then for this, this conversation. You're, you are the, you're not the question asker. You're the answerer, huh? You answering these questions. Well, no, because, you know, I think it's important because I think, well, and also, you know, another topic that's really, you know, important right now is I think even though um, we're distributed by design, so a lot of people are saying like, how do you keep your team motivated when they're all distributed? Because like, it's, it's hard for our team. Like they're really feeling the pressure of, of COVID and working from home for the last six months. How have you kept them motivated? Yeah. And so we actually had a discussion on this and it was interesting because I said, you know, the distributed by design model that the elastic employees have now is different than the distributed by design model that the elastic employees had pre pandemic, because now they've got their children home part, possibly their partner. Yeah. So even our employees even though they're used to doing this distributed by design kind of concept, it's different for them. And so 
we as an organization have doubled down on, you know, things to help support them emotionally with different, you know, tools and solutions. We've deployed Ginger, our HR department deployed Ginger, which is a, an app that helps with this. Lyra, we're rolling out this year, which are two, this is kind of a startup, but also like the collaboration tools that we have and more importantly, like self-service, right? So we've done, you know, Elastic, the journey itself has always been very important. So, you know, it's always been important to have, you know, our employees feel like they can get help. Mm-hmm. And especially in this time of where they're remote and they're feeling isolated, we're trying to deploy as much self-service as we can do from an IT standpoint, from an HR standpoint. We are over-communicating, I think, more so than in the past. We've always been extremely transparent, but we're over-communicating, just making sure people feel um, that they have that kind of relief valve. And then we've also given uh, all of our employees you know, a COVID time off, which is in addition to PTO, which was like four weeks of, if you need it, take it. So that's the core of Elastic is the people. And I, I, you know, I've been proud of the way that we've handled it. No, you hit on some great points because work from home is not, uh, especially when the kids are home, it's not really, <laughs> it's hard. I mean, we got, <laughs> I'll just tell, I'll tell you my, I got, so we got, I got three kids and somehow two of them we've chosen to go back to school. We yeah. understand there's a pandemic, but at the same time we've taken the philosophy that we want our kids to experience yeah. being around other people and they're okay with wearing masks every day. But what's obviously not awesome, uh, they got in somehow they have separate cohorts. So I've, we have one. Basically, we have three kids. None of them are on the same schedule. Oh. Some are in, in school, some are home. Oh, no. <laughs> and they're aged middle school to elementary school. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, luckily, my wife's able to help out quite a bit. Uh, but I, I never could have imagined how many interruptions could occur. Yeah. You would think that like it's something obviously society's completely taken for granted. The fact that child care school is child care. Mm-hmm. like the amount of disruptions. So the fact that you're giving some grace, flexibility, opening the ability itself, I mean, it's gotta be necessary because I, I would assume people now are working more irregular hours Correct. than they used to, right? They're not, they're not focused. Like let's say nine to five, they're not focused from nine to five. They're like, you know, nine to 10 from 10 to 11. I got to help my kid from 11 to 12. I'm back from 12 to yeah. <laughs> I'm picking someone up. I don't know. Yeah. So we're doing a lot. I mean, we've, we've doubled down on some of the, the things we've done and, and, you know, things like connecting with our customers too was another one, right? You know, we looked at Slack uh, and they have a Slack Connect functionality, which we hadn't really used that much. I mean, Mm -hmm. we'd used it in in Spotties, but we're like, hey, like this kind of makes sense to roll out now, especially for our services organization that used to go on site and help our customers and clients, but they can't do that anymore, right? Because they can't travel, but we still have to implement our technology at our customers. And so I think we've kind of optimized our lever or leveraging some more of the collaboration tools, not just Mm -hmm. internally, but collaborations with our customers and our partners. I mean, it makes complete sense. You're definitely like, this is great insight that you're sharing because you're in a unique place to to, to be able to offer it. (laughs) (laughs) Having been doing it for for enough time. Yeah. I mean, we we're continuing to evolve, right? I think every, every, as this progresses, the, kind of the next normal is going to be, and that's what I call it, the next normal, not the new normal, yeah. but is going to be about, um, you know, mobility and flexibility because, cu- you know, we've got a taste of it now. Yeah. Employees have had a taste now of this working from home thing that never had it before. And they're going to want to do both, which is going to bring on new challenges, right? So you're, 
you're out, you know, how are you protecting your, you know, your fleet out in the world? And now it comes in, it's going to plug into your, you know, network and how, you know, so it's going to bring up different challenges, you know, and it'll be exciting. (laughs) So from your perspective, this is a fun question to ask operators. Yeah. What are some technologies that maybe you don't have access to that you'd love to see or things that you see in development on the horizon line that are going to be exciting? Do you have any, are you in anticipation of anything or hoping that something's coming along the way to help you out in a specific field or area? You know, I don't, there's nothing that comes to mind like, God, if I had this, I mean, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, is, is, is happening more and more in the industry, right? Is that shadow, like managing all of our cloud spend is, you know, (laughs) from an application perspective, but also I think from like a cloud, you know, as more companies are, you know, getting rid of their data centers, how are they managing that cloud? And there's so many vendors in that space. I don't necessarily know, you know, if one is better than the other. I think they all kind of do similar things. We haven't been able to find one that we we love. I'm sure that if a vendor listens, he'll, he'll write and say, I have the <laughs> one that you're going to love. But, yeah. um, so I think sometimes what happens is there's a gap in, in like uh, and a need. And then there's just a proliferation of vendors that attack that space. And I kind of like to wait for it, like the dust to clear a little bit because some rise to the top and others don't. And so um, those that rise, I think rev a lot to rise and they've got some really good feature sets. So I kind of like to watch a space for a while if there's a gap and see what sort of what sort of the survival of the fittest mentality, I guess. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, 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 I'm a second mover. I'm not a first mover. People are like, oh, you should try this. Like, I'm not trying anything. You you try it. You tell me if it's going to mean any good. I mean, this is, uh, you know, all the rage the last couple of days. There might be some COVID vaccines on the horizon. People ask me, are you going to get it? I'm like, no, I'm not going to get it. I'm going to wait to see if it causes problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, I mean, other things like the there's the oh, Big Sur's coming out, right? You know, yeah. it's coming out tomorrow. And I'm like, mm, you know, last time that we, we learned our lesson, you know, and so. We just, yeah, Apple just launched the A1 chip, or I think it's called A1. I forgot what it was. Yeah, we want to be a little thoughtful in, in how we release and deploy. Uh, we also realize we have a lot of technical people in our organization. We're, we're you know, predominantly techs and engineers. And so they're chomping at the bit. You know, they want to get it, get it on and upgrade it. So we've got to make sure we thoroughly test and are thoughtful about how, what our release strategy is. So we don't release something and then we've got, you know, 2000 people doing self-serve tickets to have their machines fixed. I'm convinced by the way that, Oh, I'll correct myself earlier. I said a one, I meant M one chip. But I'm convinced Kim that the reason why I call it adminning the admin, like these SAS for SAS tools, right? Like, Oh, I can help manage your SAS spend. I am convinced the reason why they don't work as good as you want is because People that use software products know that if they're evaluated in the global global set, they could lose their product. And those products depend on self-reporting. They don't, it doesn't know, like if it doesn't know that I have my own, let's say box instance, because I don't want to be on your file share system unless I report it somehow. So really, if someone's out there trying to make SaaS for SaaS, you need the credit card. You need the P card and know like what P card charges are happening. Then you'll know what's going on. That's the only way. Well, and I think a lot of it too is just, um, you know, some of some vendors make make reporting usage and adoption easier than others. Yeah, there's a reason for that. 
you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a reason for that. <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, you know, it is time now, Kim, where we ask you some questions to get people to know you a little bit better away from Elastic. Oh, well, this is going to be the fun part of the discussion then. There you go. Okay. Before we got to do my little read though. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Kim, your Twitter profile is you skydiving. You told us a little bit earlier, why did you go skydiving and why do you have that Twitter? Uh, why is that your profile pick? Well, it was on my bucket list. First of all, skydiving was always on, was on my bucket list. I'm deathly afraid of heights. And so it was just a phase of my life where I was like, I am going to go skydiving with my girlfriend and I'm going to get over this fear and I'm going to jump out of a plane. And I got there and the skydiving, my compadre that was going to jump with me informed me that, uh, this has nothing to do with the fear of heights because you can't see the ground because we're, we're 12,000 feet in the air. <laughs> and I said, is that supposed to make me feel any better? But that is what prompted me to jump out of a plane. And did it work? It did. It was fabulous. I would highly recommend it for anyone who has not done it or is thinking of doing it. Would you consider yourself a thrill seeker now? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> would you go skydiving again? Absolutely. In your Twitter profile, it also says you are a sushi fan. What's your favorite sushi restaurant? My favorite sushi restaurant is a restaurant called Fuji Sukiyaki in San Mateo on 3rd Avenue. And if you go there, tell them, uh, tell Steve that Kim sent you and he will take care of you. Oh, so you're a regular. Oh, I am a regular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're not at work, what do you like to do? Assuming, of course, there's no COVID, you can go wherever you want. Um, I could go wherever I want. I uh, love to go to the beach, which, as you can see, and uh, Albert uh, mentioned earlier. Yep. Kim's background profile is a beach. And uh, I love to travel to the beach. Um, and I love to golf. I'm a golfer. Yeah? Yes, I am. What is your handicap? I'm about 11, 11.5 and 12. I waver. If you and I went to Top Golf, would you beat me? Uh, I don't know. What's your handicap? I'm terrible, by the way. I don't play. Probably, maybe. I don't play. That's <laughs> also isn't normal golf, though. So uh, I took. The I know the holes are huge. The holes are like the size yeah. of, uh, like I don't know, a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> we had a team offsite at Top Golf, and we have some some fairly strong golfers on the IT team. So um, I don't know. We'd have to see. I think you'd beat me pretty good. I'm terrible. I love being outside and walking. It's just very, it's very calming. I'm type A in a lot of areas. And so it, it make it helps me slow down. There you go. And I love running with my dogs. I have three dogs. So that's another thing I love to do. You run with three dogs. I don't run with all three at the same time, but I have three. So they keep me busy. Okay. I was going to say, cause that way they pull, they must be well behaved. <laughs> <laughs> They're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> when you go for these walks, do you listen to music or you uh, listen to your heartbeat, listen to your surroundings kind of person? I actually do both. I, um, I sometimes listen to music. I sometimes take, uh, take the dogs on the walk while I'm listening to a meeting even, uh, for work. And sometimes I just, uh, if it's early morning, I like to not listen to anything and listening to the day starting, which is the birds and the quiet of outside. So there you go. A lot of, you're a woman of variety. I like it. <laughs> Skydiving, sushi, not a thrill seeker, hitting golf balls, running. What is your in this, we're going to close with something more career oriented. Okay. What would you give as advice, the best advice for someone who's for the first time going to take over 
IT for their company? Listen, build a strong team that you trust around you and empower them to do what you hired them to do. So you don't micromanage? <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> there you go. Well, Kim, we appreciate you joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your career. Thank you for sharing how you operate at Elastic. And thank you also for letting our audience get to know you a little better. Thank you so much, Albert. It was great talking to you today. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. <laughs>